yet. Take your seats! Please, God! Back. Please, can we just cut? Can we just cut? I've had just about enough of this nonsense. Good afternoon. And the Oscar goes to Leonardo DiCaprio. Welcome back to Classic Movies Live presents Seize the Day Lewis, the show, the only show on the internet where we talk about everything related to former actor and occasional cobbler, Daniel Day-Lewis. Uh, this movie is, uh, the movie we're going to talk about today is, I believe, Daniel Day-Lewis's uh, seventh movie, eighth movie? Probably his tenth, actually. Uh, but anyway, um, Pierre, how do you, what, what are your feelings on Daniel Day-Lewis this, uh, this late in his career? What do you think? Uh, I think this is probably the, actually the first, or second movie, technically. Uh, that I've seen with Day Lewis. I saw him on Lincoln, but it was definitely uh, a sight to behold seeing mm-hmm. a master at work. I gotta say, there are, I don't know that I would ever consider Daniel Day Lewis my favorite actor because that, that spot is already taken. But at the same time, I, he may be the best actor I know. I've been look. I, you know, every time he's in a scene, uh, he's just electric. Even in Lincoln, which is a movie that, I've certainly made no, uh, I, I've made no secret of it, at least privately, that I don't much care for that movie. Uh, man, every scene with Daniel Day-Lewis is just incredible. Even in Nine, which is not that good a movie, like it's one of my favorite musicals because Daniel Day-Lewis is in it. Uh, I just love this actor so much. I can't wait until we eventually talk about There Will Be Blood. Yeah. Which we will totally talk about eventually. It will happen eventually. <laughs> Even though I when when was that? I don't even, I know nothing about that movie. I heard it's very good though. There will be blood. I think that came out in two thousand seven. I remember seeing that in theaters actually because uh, there was a local. Well, not really a local. Um, there was an independent theater an hour and a half away from us that I really really liked. And so anytime we would go into Omaha, uh, I would make sure that we would stop at the. I think it's the Dudley. I don't remember. I'm I'm gonna have to find out what the name of that theater is so I can give it a shout, a proper shout out. But I would always make sure we'd stop there so we could see a movie. I saw the Darjeeling Express there. I saw There Will Be Blood. Um, I almost saw Black Klansman there a few um, last year. But uh, yeah. Anyway, um, hmm. sounds like a cool place. There will There Will Be Blood is a really good movie, and I really do hope that we eventually talk about it. But that is not this show. This show is uh, actually Losing It Over Leo, where we talk about Leonardo DiCaprio, and we are currently in the middle period of his career. Uh, And this movie does, the movie we're going to talk about today does have Daniel Day-Lewis in it, and we're going to talk about him extensively. However, uh, we're probably going to start by talking uh, talking a little bit about Leo and where this falls in his career. This movie, I guess, I keep burying the lead here. It's Gangs of New York. This is, I think, his first movie with Martin Scorsese. Am I wrong? Uh, I don't believe so. Uh, yeah, it was. It was. Sorry. You would have covered the other one by now if there was one. Yeah, I guess that's true. I wouldn't have left a Martin Scorsese movie out of this list. This is true. Yeah. Yeah. This is like, uh, imagine that's not going... true. There is actually a Martin Scorsese movie I have left out of this list later oh. on. Never mind. Oh, we are so close. (laughs) We'll we'll get to it, though. It's one that this the problem is, I think we may have touched on this in our last episode. uh, The middle period of Leo's career, starting um, as we defined it with Catch Me If You Can and going up till about, say, Inception, roughly, uh, is there's just so much going on there. This is probably his best time as an actor. 
And there's so much good stuff that like this hurt me to put together because I wanted to find uh, when when we were deciding what movies to talk about here, I wanted to find movies that were obviously good, um, which is most of them. That's not hard in Leonardo DiCaprio's filmography. But I wanted to find movies that show, sort of showed off varied roles and, um, you know, as varied as I could get. And unfortunately, doing an entire segment only on Scorsese doesn't quite hit that. So this this uh, we are actually here mostly in uh, Scorsese town because this is this and the next two movies are both Scorsese. But uh, there is a Scorsese movie coming up that we will skip. Yes. Wait, which one? Uh, it's it's going to be uh, Shutter Island. Oh, I see. I'm kind of fine with that. It's um, a good movie, and I'm I'm looking forward to watching it again because whether we talk about it or not, I'm going to watch it again. But you know, I think it's of of his Scorsese movies. That's the one we can skip. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I don't think it had a huge impact on either his or Leo's career. But um, but yeah, this one was pretty big for the time it had a huge budget um apparently scorsese was trying to make this movie for like 20 or so years 20 some years really? uh since the 70s i think because uh uh I, I read on wikipedia uh that he has always had a fast uh, a fascination with the that the 1800s era of new york during the civil war and uh he uh, he was only able to uh, get funding because it was a hundred million dollars, right, for more of an artsy piece. Uh, and uh, yeah, he he worked a lot with uh, Harvey Weinstein. He got har- funding from Harvey Weinstein, so uh, kind well, of unfortunate. But I guess it was a Miramax movie. Yeah, but uh, definitely very a very like ambitious movie, considering like yeah, the hundred million dollar budget. Uh, almost three hour runtime and uh, not not exactly a period that's uh, brimming with interest from the public. Yeah, this is this takes place in Civil War era New York, but I specifically say Civil War era because the Civil War is happening, but it is almost not an not a thing in this uh, movie. Like it barely comes up. Um it's uh it's so weird because you don't see there aren't there aren't a lot of movies about old new york in this way yeah um yeah. it was actually so it was actually so jarring to see new york in um the mid 19th century for me that like i didn't immediately i knew it was new york and i still could never actually recognize it as new york to me it looked like assassin's creed london or something yeah, for real. Like I that that that's actually what kind of drew me like into it at first. Uh I, I there's a lot of things in this that talked about like the founding of, of New York and that I had no idea about, you know. I mean it was really cool to kind of see it the city grow because there's a the movie starts with like a pretty early scene and then it it flashed forwards twenty twenty some years, I think. Sixteen. Um sixteen years, uh where where it's uh much more developed and stuff and it's it's cool just cool to see that that development throughout the movie um and uh the comparison it has to because even at the end they they flash forward to and kind of like the ep and like, like an epilogue scene where uh you you see like this current scene compared to modern day new york and like how amazing the changes uh like what what changes have been made in the past like 150 years you know at the time mm-hmm. so yeah uh, definitely cool but yeah i i wouldn't say it's like if someone asked me like like hey you want to see a movie about 1850s new york like that i'd necessarily be like jumping at the heels to to watch yeah um yeah i actually can't think of any other movies in this time period and to be honest, I could have seen some. It's just I wouldn't have remembered them. <laughs> There's yeah, it's it's yeah. Well, then let's see. Well, how how well do you remember this uh, this movie, Jeff? Do you, can you give us a synopsis? I think so. So this movie this movie is um, 
Okay, so this movie takes place in Civil War era New York, but uh, it's not really about the Civil War, obviously. I guess we mentioned that already. This movie is about like the plight of Irish people in New York around the time of the Civil War. Um, so it starts off with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, obviously the son of Liam Neeson. Uh, in he, him and, well, his, his father, Liam Neeson, is the, uh, what, what would you could say, the leader of the gang, the Dead Rabbits, which is just, a, <laughs> they're, they're just a bunch of mostly, I think, first generation Irish immigrants. Like most of them have literally come over from Ireland within the last couple of years. Um, and they are one of the prominent gangs of New York at the time. And they get into a war, a gang war against the Confederation of American Natives, which is a white Anglo-Saxon supremacist group that basically runs New York, or at the very least runs the area of New York called the Five Points, which is where most of this takes place. Um, the titular gangs of New York are all of the gangs that are sort of centered around Five Points, but in general, this this movie sort of revolves around the uh, the um, fight between the Dead Rabbits and the Confederation of American Natives. The Confederation of American Natives are led by a fellow named Bill Cut or William Cutting or Bill the Butcher, who's played by Daniel Day-Lewis. Um, and at the very beginning of this movie, uh, yeah, the gang war breaks out and William Cutting kills Liam Neeson. And Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, at that point not yet played by Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, escapes and is eventually picked up by the police and grows up in basically a uh, basically grows up in juvenile detention. I'm not hall. I'm not really sure exactly, but it's. I think it was like an orphanage slash yeah. detention. Yeah, because he he uh, tried to escape a few times. Yeah, I was gonna uh, say because it's does. it's kind of an it's definitely kind of an orphanage. But on the other hand, like when he when he comes out of it, 16 years later, it looks like you know, any scene where a prisoner is coming out of prison? Yeah. Uh, um. Yeah, so anyway, that's the very beginning of this movie. And then this movie kind of follows... Um, when he comes back out, it's been so long that, like, no one recognizes him anymore. So he takes it upon himself to rebuild the dead rabbits while also um, getting in really good with Bill the Butcher, so that he can eventually take revenge for Liam Neeson. Yeah, which lasts what two two and a half hours long. <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah. pretty long, and I would say that like I would say like the first two acts of this movie are probably the first two hours, roughly. Like, and I I, I make that distinction specifically because uh, about two hours in, he's discovered. More or less. Yeah, about, which felt very late. Yeah, um, it but, felt like that was the end of the movie, and then there was another 40 minutes. Yeah, which was, uh, I guess it made sense because, uh, I don't know, like, that, that that's like one of the problems. Do we want to get into plot now? At all? I guess um, we might as well, since we're basically already yeah, there. I feel like we're, I think we're going to talk about Leo, but now I'm like, I really want to talk about the plot. Um, I had, I do think the plot was way, like, way too uh, maximalist, you know? Like, they tried to incorporate so many different things mm -hmm. uh, into it. And then, like, the payoff for all of these is, like, very, very little. Because in the end, it's it's kind of just, like, a simple revenge story. Leo wants, Leo's character wants revenge for... Uh, Bill the Butcher killing his father when he was young, right? But yeah, that Actually, even that motivation doesn't really last. Like, isn't there for the whole movie? You know. Well, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I like that you bring up that it's very maximalist because after that two hour mark, uh, Leo takes on he he takes on basically the role of leader of the Dead Rabbits. They've been essentially gone, and now they're just there again. So he takes on that role, and the first thing he does 
isn't declare a gang war or anything or try and kill Bill the Butcher. The first thing he does is run his buddy, Brendan Gleeson, for sheriff. And that is a whole, like, 15-minute plot, which is awesome. I love that side plot. But it kind of goes nowhere and doesn't do a whole lot except give Brendan Gleeson some time to uh, show off. Yeah, that that's the... That's the thing. There was so because that was also after the the fight between like Bill and Leo, like is like should have been happening, right? Because with the who died was it Johnny? Johnny dies. Who's uh like le- one of the one of the rabbits, right? Johnny. Okay, Remember hold you... on. The first thing, so Leonardo DiCaprio tries to assassinate Bill and fails. Then yeah. he goes, then he gets like, then he goes underground. Then Bill sends, oh, a guy I want to talk about, sends the policeman to him uh, and he kills the policeman. And then after that is the sheriff thing. And then after the sheriff thing, he formally challenges Bill and that's when the gang war starts. Yeah. And like, honestly, they could have done this like an hour ahead of time, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I want to say that the actual gang war lasted like 15 minutes, and then it doesn't even turn out to be a gang war. It was more like them fighting against society, and then it's just like kind of Bill and Leo who well, still yeah, care because, about killing each other. Yeah, because it's them fighting against each other, but somehow or another, the civil unrest leading to it has gotten whatever attention it needed so that I guess the governor or whoever actually sends in the union military. So there's a lot of pe- there's a lot of sides to this gang war for some yeah. reason. Yeah, and it's just like there was so much, especially cuz it it just felt like the movie plot couldn't decide where it wanted to go because especially cuz like the first 2 hours is building up like this relationship with Bill from Leo. Mm-hmm where Bill kind of almost becomes like a father figure to him. And then eventually it just seems like Leo doesn't want to kill him. And then seemingly it, it felt kind of out of nowhere. Leo decides he wants to kill Bill again. I th- my main theory is it's mostly because there was that Irishman that tries to kill Bill and Leo saves Bill. Uh, so he felt like he was betraying his father. Just like overall, is, I I couldn't, I couldn't feel like the movie was really trying to build up to something. It's like this happens, then that happens. But the worst part is that there's no like emotional consequences between these. Like right, even though Leo sees Bill as like a father figure, which was literally yeah built up for most of the movie, it has mm-hmm. no real effect on the ending. Well, right, the end- because it doesn't make him any less interested in killing Bill, and it doesn't make Bill any more sentimental between. Uh, sentimental to him exactly yeah and that just really bothered me because i thought that was the whole point like they kind of subverted expectations with oh and now 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 he likes him and like is he actually gonna kill him but there was no tension to that because he was very obviously wanted to kill him (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. like uh and then there were other there were other random reasons brought in for why he should hate bill like there's uh Leo falls in love with uh, Cameron Diaz's character. I can't remember her name, but who also turns out to have been raised by Bill slash like had sex with Bill a lot, like a sex like I don't know. It's very weird. I believe um, that her and Bill had not had sex, but that was Bill's doing because like she'd wanted to, and Bill was like, nah. No, I think it, because I, I remember we were talking about, I think it was more like he never forced himself upon her. Right, okay, maybe that, but yeah, that could have been it. They did do it, it's just she wanted it, I guess. And, but, yeah. Um, but even that, like, and then Leo, Leo falls in love with her, but then, like, that still doesn't have any effect on his relationship with Bill, because she never mm-hmm. really talks to Bill the whole movie. Except, um, I, guess, I guess there's one single scene, kind of. Are you talking about the knife scene? I don't even know. Or there, well, I think there was, there's that for sure. Yeah, but that like even the knife scene where like Bill's kind of threatening her life, uh, in this knife show in front of an audience, she 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 could have never met Bill and it would have had the same effect, you know. 
I don't know. There was just, yeah, Scorsese couldn't really choose what he wanted, which is very odd cons- considering, like, how, um, you know, at, at this stage in his life, he, he was definitely, like, a master of his craft, or he had been for many years. Um, it might be because he had an emotional connection to this, you know, like he'd been trying to make this movie for so long that he just felt like he was really excited with all the things he could play with. And I do um, feel like uh, Scorsese has a, he's got a history of putting in too much rather than too little. That's true. Yeah. His movies are always like very long. Like if I, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, the, the Wolf of Wall Street, which we'll eventually get to that movie, the original cut that didn't make it to theaters, but the one that he cut it down from for theaters was about four hours. And I think the theater cut is three hours. Three hours, maybe a little longer, too. Maybe. And then, of course, there's The Irishman that came out last year, which is a pretty grueling three hours, not going to lie. Yeah, that that, that, that movie. I didn't mind The Wolf of Wall Street's pacing um, or length because I thought the pacing was pretty good. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I found it enjoyable the whole way. Stuff like The Irishman and definitely this movie, too. A little, little too much. The yeah, I, I would, I would say you, you could have probably trimmed like an hour of runtime from this, and uh, it'd probably reach the same effect. So Maybe. Uh, yeah, but dude, let's talk about something good in this movie: the the performances, which okay. I really liked. So I think, I think before we get to the performances, this is a very important movie actually for quite a few reasons. Uh, one that I'm going to get to that I haven't revealed yet. Uh, this is the same year as uh, Catch Me If You Can. It came out, but it was made a year before Catch Me If You Can. Um, it was only released in 2002 because it was going to be released around the time uh, the September 11th attacks happened. So they delayed that it a whole out year. Not to be a, yeah, that year for New York. So yeah, so they decided to, especially because there was a shot at the end with the twin towers. Um, oh yeah, I guess so. So they so they pushed it back a year, um, but this might have been like just as important of Catch Me If You Can in terms of getting that movie, mm-hmm. you know? Um, because uh, yeah, after Titanic, you didn't really have much in the way of big movies until until this. I guess he got hired for this in the year like two thousand, I guess. Um, and uh, you know, working going from. Cameron to Scorsese definitely puts a lot of eyes on an actor. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So I, I definitely say it was, it was very important. In, as in like, this was probably like the first really big, it was like his, uh, I don't like his, his first biggest uh, movie to prove himself, you know, cause in Titanic, it was a huge movie, but and it was a great director, but he didn't really need, to put on an amazing performance, you know? Yeah. Uh, And I actually kind of think that um, maybe the next movie, I'm not, I don't remember what the next movie we're going to talk about is, but maybe the next movie is going to be that for him because while this, this was notable for sure for kind of that reason, because I felt like this was the first movie where he wasn't playing and he he still was to a degree, but he wasn't playing like a troubled youth or, a uh, romantic interest. Even though I guess he kind of technically was a troubled youth in this, but this is where he got to like actually play something that he hadn't quite played before in a way. Not that, well, he he got to do that again. And um, it's especially refreshing after catch me if you can, because while he was, that was one where I thought he really uh, got to show off quite a bit, but also that was not, dissimilar from things like this boy's life and um basketball diaries it was kind of a it was a character in the same vein if not necessarily similar um and this one was kind of something else because it was a period piece and he was playing kind of his own man in this uh and i'm hoping that the next movie that we talk about whichever that is will be even more that because I just found that in this movie, while he kind of had that opera, well, he, while that was how I would describe his acting in this, uh, he had to act alongside Daniel Day-Lewis. So, whoops. Yeah, very, 
a huge leap in well i guess he he did do de niro um but still like yeah a huge a huge uh a huge actor to play against mhm um, especially at like such a in such a big movie you know and one of day lewis's from what i've heard uh more acclaimed performances right I believe that's true. This is certainly of the Day Lewis movies that I've seen. This is my second favorite. Okay, cool. Fairly easily. The only pro I, I would say my favorite, except that There Will Be Blood is just so good. And da- yeah. Daniel Day Lewis just owns it in that movie. I got to yeah. find out where he got his Oscars for. I think he got it for Lincoln. Well, he got a couple of Oscars, but. Oh, no, he got uh, one for There Will Be Blood as well. Oh, okay, cool. Uh,. Yeah, so uh, you know, pretty pretty big for this time of his life, and I I, I would say he uh, he he nailed it pretty well. Um, even though like I I I would say his character was written very inconsistently. Like we're talking I, Leonardo DiCaprio. Leo, right? yeah, sorry. Yeah, um, okay. I will say I was pretty like pretty interested in it. It, it was very different in terms of, um, you know, I didn't really feel the you know, traditional Leo in this performance, you know, um, yeah. I really bought into the, uh, him being from this timeline and the, the Irish descent. I thought he did the accents very well. Um, because... I thought the act, well, I, I warmed up to the accent because I originally, I'm like, that's a pretty bad Irish accent, but he was not from Ireland. He was a first generation Irish yeah. person in, in New York. So I thought that he did a, Americanized Irish accent pretty well as once I got accustomed to it. Yeah, and uh, the way he was able to kind of mix the the more American accent with his Irish one was good in terms of like because uh, apparently the or uh, I guess the movie makes it pretty obvious, but the the accent you have is like very key to to where your allegiances lie in this movie. Um, it's very much divided by uh race and stuff uh from what i from what i saw yeah and... actually um in this movie daniel day lewis plays a racist and uh he had had the irish gang still existed when um leonardo dicaprio's character comes out of juvenile uh, comes out of the orphanage he would not have had any chance to work alongside the butcher at all yeah, exactly. Uh, and and I, I think, like, this... Especially because his allegiances are kind of vague throughout the movie. Uh, his accent is, a, is, also, is also pretty vague in that, like... It kind of... It kind of... You get hints of it. Hints of an Irish accent sometimes when he speaks. And a more traditional or American accent when he's trying to work his way into Bill the Butcher's organization mm-hmm. or gang. Uh, and then once he once he uh, betrays the butcher and goes back to the the rabbit rabbit ears, um, dead rabbits, dead rap, he he uh, starts incorporating more Irish back into it slowly. Um, so yeah, very very nice touches there, and uh, pretty solid performance. I, I I wish I could say it was amazing, but um, again, I I just don't think the script was there to uh, help him attain that level. Yeah, I thought it was good. The only performance in this movie that I would call amazing is Daniel Day-Lewis. Uh, yeah, I there there were lots of good performances. That one was incredible. I think it's I, hard for me to say because like going into this, I just know Day-Lewis is always like a really good actor, you know, like he's Yeah. He's one of the most esteemed actors if not the most esteemed actor of our time um or well maybe not our time but no you're you're correct yeah absolutely um but yeah so i and i haven't seen him in a movie before but what what i saw with his character is just this perfect meshing you know like i it sounds kind of weird but for me i i did kind of see every character as an actor like not saying they were bad actors obviously but like it's you still get that feeling right whereas yeah. like you're saying day lewis of... oh. is like he he was transported from that timeline 
to act in this movie, you know, or to be not even act to be in this movie. So, like, you didn't get that transformative experience from anyone? No, not really. Which is, like, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Like, when I watch a movie, I expect, especially if I recognize someone, you know, like Liam Neeson, who I saw at the start, right? Like, mm-hmm. his his performance was really good, but I just kind of see, like, Liam Neeson, you know? Cause, right. And, like, that's not a bad thing. It's just, like, um, the way the way it is, because I know he's an actor, right? I'm um, same right. thing with Leo. Leo's like an amazing actor, but in a lot of his roles, I do see like that Leo charisma seeping out, you know. Mm-hmm. Whereas, uh, yeah, with Day Lewis, it's just very seamless, and like it's not even like like an amaze an amaze. Uh, how do I say this? Like, it wasn't like a performance like the Joker, you know, where like it's just it's made for like an amazing performance you know like there's such a vast array of emotions and right uh possible scenes where like the acting can really flourish and is very recognizable like for example when you watch uh heath ledger acting as a joker and like the interrogation scene you know that's like a juicy scene for an actor like him well yeah and also so much I gotta say, with Heath Ledger's Joker, I don't see Heath Ledger in that. Like, it is yeah. him, clearly, but you don't yeah. see it. And so yeah. I guess I, I see what you're saying. This movie would not have been as good without Daniel Day-Lewis, but mm-hmm. I can definitely see another actor trying the role. Yeah, of course. Because, like, it wasn't an insanely hard role, in my opinion, but it's just, like, he did it so seamlessly, you know? Like, instead of me going, like, that was an amazing performance, when I watch him, I'm like, that that's that's like a really cool guy you know like i don't see an actor doing it right um, but again like i might this might be my my subconscious leaking because i know he he did go method for this really hard from what i've heard i think and he in general. usually does actually yeah it's a because i remember for his first uh his first academy award for my left foot uh he went very method for that like he would not move unless he was carried yeah, exactly. So that might be why I'm saying, and also like Heath Ledger did the same thing. So that might that might be a reason why their performances are are so uh, are so vivid and like integrated into the movie, and not not even seen as much as like an acting performance. You know, mm-hmm. um, I gotta say, actually, that yeah. plays a little bit into Leonardo DiCaprio too, because while I don't think I would say it, well, I'm not sure. I don't think i would say that this was his best per- i'm not talking about this movie but i don't think that i would say that gilbert grape was his best performance ever but like it's among them so far of what we've seen and he went method for that so yeah that that know. is one of his roles i would say where i could not recognize leo absolutely um, i was gonna yeah role. so yeah so i guess it shows it's like possible for leo but uh I don't know. It, it might not even work for like a main character, you know. I'm not sure how well it would work, uh, but we'll see. But yeah, anyways, amazing performance by De Lewis. Uh, really sunk his teeth into the character. I thought, I thought, like, I don't know what his accent was, but I loved the way he spoke. It was so Day Lewis. What I found interesting about this is that Daniel Day Lewis is, and I'm gonna make sure I'm not wrong on this. Okay, he is not Irish. I thought he was actually Irish. Turns out he's English. Um, (laughs) But he's... So that was him putting on an American accent, and he did it really well. Like, this is a very American accent. You don't necessarily notice that it's an Englishman doing it, except that what I did notice is whenever an English actor can put on a really good American accent, it kind of sounds like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, he he did it pretty well. Um, I think that's just in general, though. I I don't know how many English actors were cast as American actors back then, in like the O twos. But now it's like so common that um, I I think it's they're just getting really good at it all the time. I'm gonna say I'm that pretty sure it's. I'm pretty sure it's never not been common, honestly. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, but there like. You go. Yeah, I, I agree for sure. Um, but yeah, uh, and then I, I loved how I, I think even just like despite the 
the script. I think he was made in the script to be like made out to be like kind of a dick, um, or definitely a dick. Uh, I think he he was able through his performance to very subtly add like this layer of uh, sentimentality to him. You know, um, his character was actually evil. And like, well, kind of, yeah, well, he was also time, like a man of honor in some ways, too, you know? Yeah. It was very uh, confusing. He came across very layered. Like, he was a very three dimensional character. He was a very layered character. He came across sympathetic in some ways. And like, he was a real person. And I think the way that his character was written, it would have been easy for an actor, if they wanted to go that way, to play him just as a mustache twirling bad guy. Yeah. Easily. I don't know that Martin Scorsese would ever have allowed that, but the way he was, he was in the script, the way the script was, you could have easy. Yeah, that's true. I agree. But yeah, um, just like, yeah, overall. Great. Uh, I, I, I would say I, I, Leo was Leo, Leo put in a great performance, but like, just to like, I kind of want to compare them just in terms of like, like these are two legends coming together. It feels like Day Lewis is just kind of like slightly on another level, at least at this point in Leo's career. Honestly, when like, this is like some dude, like this is like the, the greatest warrior in all of Greece fighting Zeus. Yeah, like, <laughs> if you get any, killed. Yeah, it's. That's fair. Um, but, like, I don't know how many actors could go up with Day-Lewis and, like, I, steal I, a scene from him, you know? I can think of... I don't even think I can... Maybe, see, like, I can think, De Niro in his prime? Well, when maybe? I saw when I saw There Will Be Blood, there are a few scenes where... Um, gosh, what's the guy's name? Oh, the guy who's about to play the Riddler. Oh, uh... Paul Dano. There's a few scenes where Paul Dano just absolutely robs the scene. Mm -hmm. But I honestly don't even know if Daniel Day-Lewis is in those scenes. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh... you know, I don't know if there is someone that can go up, that can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Daniel Day-Lewis. Mm, yeah, to be determined. Uh, but I, I need to watch more Day-Lewis movies to see. But yeah, if I had to choose someone... It would have been Leo. And maybe well, in a different movie, he, he could have put up a better fight. But uh, I'd say this. But also, to... I think this is, uh, I think it's fine, kind of, because tech, I mean, we're kind of still early into Leo's career. And Leo will eventually get to the point where he is taking on the kinds of roles that Daniel Day Lewis is taking on with this movie. Like, uh, if I had to compare Daniel Day Lewis's role in this as Bill as Bill the Butcher to any other Leo role, I would say this is um, somewhat similar to gosh, what's the guy's name? Uh, to the bad guy from Django Unchained, Candy. Not yeah. that similar, but it's kind of a similar role. And I think that eventually, once we get into late period Leo, Leo is going to be taking on roles that you know, Daniel Day-Lewis can take on right now because Daniel Day-Lewis is a much more senior actor. That's true. It's it's not really fair. Like, Daniel Day-Lewis also could not have played Leonardo DiCaprio's role in this because it would have made no sense. <laughs> yeah, because he's like 40. <laughs> but, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah any, anyways, acting aside, uh, or those two aside, I will say there were some nice smaller roles that were given to uh, like John C. Riley was kind of welcome. Yeah, I did want to. I did actually want to touch on John C. Riley because for one thing, this is the second movie in this series we've talked about with John C. Riley in it, which I thought was super cool. Yeah. Uh, also, this is an incredibly important movie for film history because of John C. Riley. Why is that? I, have I you ever heard idea. of? Have you ever heard of the John C. Riley Award? <laughs> No, <laughs> it's not a real award, but it's uh, it is a name for the achievement of appearing in three movies or more that are all up for best picture in the same year. Oh, this wow. was the year that John C. Riley did it. 
and became Wait, the first. The... So Gangs of New York, Chicago, and The Hours. John C. Riley was in all three of those uh, as a supporting character, but a supporting character with a major role. Yeah. And um, this was, I think, the first time in 50 years that anyone had done that. Damn. That's cool, actually. I had no idea. Uh, and since then, it's only been repeated, I think, twice. Yeah. Congratulations to John C. Riley. My God. Yeah. And yeah, no he, was, he was in the winning movie as well, because Chicago won, and that was, he was in that one. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, but yeah, like, I like, he didn't really have much to do, um, but, you know, it's nice to see him. Um, always a, I don't know, I, it's just always nice to see John C. Riley. Like, he's oh. like a cool guy to see in a movie. Sorry, real quick. Uh, the John C. Riley Award, it happened pretty often between 1935 and 1941, and then it happened in 1943, and the next time it happened after 1943 was John C. Riley in 2003. Uh, so, like, wait, four times in history then? It's happened five, five times? one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen oh. times, and it's only happened four times where the person who where one of the movies they were in actually won. Oh, sick. But again, like this was the first time it had happened in sixty years. Yeah, that's pretty and cool. And then it didn't happen again until 2018. Nice bit of film history. Um, and then uh, the and, only, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and then like you said, John C. Riley is just always a good guy to see. I'm always surprised because as a, as a kid, I knew John C. Riley from comedy movies like Ta Talladega Nights and, uh, Step Brothers and stuff like that. I knew him from him, from him and Will Ferrell basically. And then as I'm watching more movies, as I'm growing up, He's in a lot of dramatic roles. Like he has such range. It's really strange to me that he hasn't been that he's not like a more prominent person than he is. I guess he probably just takes on roles that he wants. But he's a really really he's got he's a, a really good dramatic actor in the supporting roles I've seen him in. And also he's really funny when he's in comedies. So like he's got he's probably one of the better, like, B-list actors out there, I would say. Yeah, I agree. Like, your whole point about the comedy things, um, I, I had no idea he was in, like, this many other movies. I thought, like, his first big role was Step Brothers. Um, I guess maybe it was, like, as a starring role, but he has been in, like, a lot of stuff. Yeah. Which is nice to see. Um, I don't know, he just, like, adds a little levity. To, mm -hmm. to a movie, no matter what. Um, another, another cool role was Liam Neeson to see. Um, yeah, as... he was a very, very small role, but like he's. I haven't seen Liam Neeson in very many roles I haven't liked. I guess I haven't seen a lot of his trash action movies, but like he's he's a really good. Like he's also he's just really nice to see, especially in Scorsese movies, because I think that of all of the actors I've seen, of, of all the things that I've seen Liam Neeson in. Scorsese knows best how to use Liam Neeson as a supporting role. Like anytime I've seen Liam Neeson in a Scorsese in a Scorsese movie, and it's not been that often, but anytime I have, he has elevated the movie because of the way that Scorsese works him in. Mm. Um. Yeah, I could I could see that. I I will say like his scene was kind of unfortunate because I thought the fight scene at the start was just terrible, like aggressively bad. That's fair. Uh, I forgot to mention that earlier, but like that, I couldn't believe what I was watching. It felt like a fight scene parody or like a fight scene from a comedy movie or something, just based on how uh, like the hits were hundred percent looked fake. Oh yeah, uh, and he, there was a lot of people he he like stabbed with a knife, but like it was very obvious he was just kind of touching them with the knife, and then they'd fall. Um, yeah, it's a very kind of lazy scene. It's almost like they shot it like a month before the premiere or something. Because he's yeah, like, oh, oh, wait, we need like we need a scene to to help us relate to to Leonardo's character. Let's bring in, uh, let's bring in Liam Neeson at the last second. But then like that doesn't make sense because a lot of the characters in the movie are established in that first scene. 
So, uh, yeah. That... Yeah, I gotta say the uh, the strongest part of that opening scene with Liam Neeson is where he's walking through and assembling the crew. The actual fight is sort of secondary because it's not good, like you said. Yeah, yeah. But that, yeah, you know, Liam Neeson's a very respectable person in general. Like, I, I like seeing him lead people. I don't know why. <laughs> it just seems like a good guy to follow. Um, so yeah, that was nice. Cameron Diaz is like the only other one I'd probably mention. I don't know um, why I didn't recognize her as like as long as I did. I was like, I know that actress, and I didn't realize it was Cameron Diaz until. I looked it up after. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I, I recognized her. I don't know why. Maybe it's the she wasn't blonde in this movie. She's usually blonde. Well, I haven't seen Cameron Diaz in a lot of things that's recently, true. so that's probably part She's of it. She's actually reason. retired. Um, Is she? Yeah, I was surprised. I She, she took the Daniel Day-Lewis route, eh? Yeah, she, she decided to join the greats. Um, uh, yeah, she... that. 20 movie in 2014 i think or maybe 2011 called bad teacher was her last movie that's from what i saw because i'm pretty maybe, sure maybe shrek maybe shrek 4 was her last movie too hmm no shrek 4 was shrek 4 was before bad teacher i think oh uh, okay maybe not i don't know but wow uh, but yeah i've sadly it feels kind of a very i'm gonna be honest like a bad role uh, I was kind of interested in her at first. Uh, like, I wouldn't say she put in a bad performance, but the character just really had no place in the movie. She was mostly motivation for Leo's conflict with his his friend Johnny, and Johnny is the one that betrays Leo's I- true identity to. Uh, to okay, Billy, that's who Johnny is. Billy the Butcher. Uh, it was actually. I actually thought that betrayal scene was kind of interesting because he goes to Billy and he's, he goes to Bill the Butcher and is like, just so you know, Leo isn't who he says he is. And Bill the Butcher is like, why would you rat out your friend, dog? Yeah. But then, like, and he seemed pissed because I thought he's like, who cares if he's like the son or like, what are you trying to do? Like, he was mad as in like, because he didn't want to believe it, right? Uh, but he didn't really care. Uh, or the Bill the Butcher didn't seem to care after that anyway, so um, that scene itself was good though I liked it uh, but yeah, yeah, Cameron Diaz definitely just kind of a plot device that even wasn't really a necessary plot device you know um, so uh, just kind of unfortunate, like she did alright just a wasted character uh, what, what did you think? She was fine I mean, she was there I didn't really, I don't really have very much to say about her. That's kind of it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, what, what, did, what else? Production design? Plot and production design. And I think we've talked. We talked about the plot. Yeah. yeah. I mentioned the fight scene. So I really, <laughs> I really needed to mention that. Um, especially, okay, like the last, the last fight scene was really disappointing too. Uh, just in terms of the whole movie was building up to this fight and then I they they kind of get killed by cannons instead that were randomly shooting in their area. Yeah, and I, th- I thought the last fight, those cannons really robbed a lot of the f- last fight scene of its tension because one, um, as you said, the cannons are what eventually kill them. And also... Throughout the fight scene, there's like the, the cannons fire and there's like all this smoke just sort of enveloping the whole place. And out of nowhere, we see Bill the Butcher running around like a like a silent assassin, sort of like stabbing and then run and then running on. And it's super weird. Mostly like it's fine. It's Daniel Day Lewis does it okay. But just that's kind of out of no his fighting style is completely different to any he's done a lot of fighting up to this point. And he has never exhibited this like ninja running fighting <laughs> style that he's doing here. That scene was actually hilarious. Like so it was It just, was so out of nowhere. Yeah, I felt like one of those like kung fu movies or something where like the guys or like a ninja movie or like the exactly. enemy is completely hidden and then they are stricken out of nowhere. But like this is like this 40, 45 year old guy that's like running around <laughs> randomly with like 
two knives. <laughs> and I think he's got a legit Naruto run a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was actually hilarious. I, I completely forgot about that. Um, so like, yeah, just... I would have to say, I'm looking forward to seeing Martin Scorsese do like a real fight scene, but this wasn't it. No, maybe he realized like after after watching the the footage from his earlier fight scenes that he he just simply could not make them work for this movie. That he's like, let's let's just have Day Lewis run around and like see what he can do with the fight and hope for the best. You know, I was gonna um, say definitely like I've seen Martin Scorsese do gang movies where he has like decent enough shootouts or like. Stuff like that. I guess he doesn't have... I, I can't think of a movie where he has like a real full shootout. But he's fine when there's guns involved. But there's no guns in this movie except the cannons, which don't really count. So like... I, I don't know how he is when he has to come to, when it comes down to actual fight choreography. Maybe he just didn't get the best choreographer. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It, it was very odd to see. Um, what should have I, happened is he should have figured out who the hell Baz, Baz Luhrmann had for uh, Romeo and Juliet and gotten them. Yeah, uh, yeah, actually, that that's a really good point. That would have been way more fun. Um, they could have even they could have even made a Day Lewis's uh, running choreography maybe interesting or, I or like so. intense. Because like I, on paper that scene could have worked. It's just like. It would have been really hard to make work, but it could have. It's well, just the way it was shot, too. It was just so lame. and yeah. It's clearly intended to try and make him an even more imposing character than he is. Because not only is he super imposing in person, but now you can't see him. And like yeah. he's he's even worse because he's now a secret threat, I guess. But like <laughs> it doesn't really work because he looks ridiculous running out of the shadows. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, zero points for choreography. Score says he shake my head. Um, and then also the the whole because I kind of got what they were doing with the last fight scene. Um, in that I think they were trying to show how pointless their their fight was in the end with the cannons, you know? Because it's like the real the end, neither of them the, actually wins. Just Leo happens to live. Yeah, uh, but either way, like it wasn't like the gangs. Because the whole movie was building up like the gangs, but then like after after that, all the civil war protests and stuff, it was more like the city of New York was uniting against uh, the government, you know, to to fight the to fight the civil the conscription to the civil war. I think I think that was the main issue, or the whole that whole movement, uh, and then and that like their their petty rivalry was kind of outdated, you know, and like times were moving on. So, like, thematically, it does make sense that, like, the fight was kind of, was very anticlimactic. Uh, but I, I still, like, I don't think they made it obvious enough in the movie, like, building this up. Uh, and uh, either way, it just wasn't executed very well. It was yeah. kind of a boring scene, to be honest. But, yeah. Uh, I, I, I do want to talk about, like, the, the production design. Um, I thought like the sets were amazing. Oh yeah, it was really cool. Uh, this is a very different New York than I've ever seen, which, and it still was believable as soon as you know, I became accustomed to the fact that sure, this is in fact New York. Yeah, like uh, just like how immersive it felt. It it truly felt like I was in that world. Um, no, like real use of green screen and stuff. Sometimes you can notice that. Like I, I remember noticing that in Titanic a couple times, for uh, some some of the, no, not the boat scenes, but like even in the city, I think they used it uh, when Leo's in the, the bar gambling, um, or maybe they used the painting. I don't know. But yeah, very very immersive set, uh, very real, uh, and uh, I think they made very good use of it. Um, I can see why the movie cost so much money just just from that. Yeah, they had to basically build a tiny part of New York. No wonder this only happened in one neighborhood. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like maybe Scorsese was like, "We should do the whole city of New York," and, 
and the producers are like, ah, oh, let's uh, let's keep the conflict focused. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, great, great stuff there. Um, I wouldn't say this like the the way they filmed it was really took advantage of it. I guess. Um, like it, it wasn't. It was really it was really cool to see, but like I wouldn't say like the the camera work really showed off showed it off um maybe for good reason because like if they if the shoots were too complex we might have the illusion might have been broken um i'm just guessing but uh yeah i i really loved i really love the detail put into it it felt like there was a lot of passion in it um and that was really important to build up this world because again like i don't think many people know about this this uh this world that he was presenting so that was very key uh, to making the movie work, and uh, yeah, there was one more point I wanted to talk about. I can't remember. Did we? I don't. I don't think I wrote it down. Hmm. I, I might have been the 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 choreography then. Yeah, but uh, yeah, overall, like, just a lot of potential in this movie. Very, just too much bloating. Not enough focus. Uh. But I wouldn't say that's for lack of passion. In fact, this is actually kind of a, the weird case of, I think Scorsese had too much passion for it. And uh, it's kind of like a, a child with like so many toys that he's like, oh, I don't know which one to play with and like to choose one, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, not enough. Uh, apparently he fought a lot with the studio over this movie with stuff like Runtime. Uh, I, I think he could have been, he could have used a little more uh, intervention uh, during the making of this because uh yeah it was just uh too much too much too much it was like scorsese at the maximum uh which is uh unfortunate i don't think any very rarely can a director kind of be given complete creative liberty and uh still still make a, a really really amazing movie in my opinion um, sorry how do you mean wait what <laughs> Oh, like, like I, I do think like studio, like working with a studio and producers and stuff, like uh, creative uh, communication, yeah, um, usually helps the process of a movie. Like, uh, like for example, I'd say with like, uh, mm, who's a director that does that a lot? I'm trying to think, like, I, I maybe Wes Anderson. I actually don't like Wes Anderson when he when he's at his most Wes Anderson esque, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can really feel that. Same thing with Nolan. I love Nolan, but uh, I think back when he had more studio intervention, um, he made better movies. Uh, like I still think like The Prestige and The Dark Knight are are probably his best movies. Um, and that was back when he was still he still had to prove himself to the studios and make sure uh, and uh, prove his consistency. So that he could make whatever he wanted, right? Um, yeah. So that that's that. Those are kind of my thoughts in general on this movie. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to think of uh, other examples of directors like that, and honestly, I'm not really sure because as a as a general rule, I think that directors should be given as much creative freedom as they want. But you're probably right that 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 conversation helps. I just can't oh. think of any. Oh, dude, uh, George Lucas. That's a great example. Oh totally, yeah, totally George Lucas had fant- George Lucas had you know he could do whatever he wanted, and the prequels could have done with a little bit of workshopping. Yeah, it's like once you get folk, if everyone kind of assumes you're gonna make a good movie, that does then you don't start like challenging your your own ideas, right? Uh, I guess it, it kind of a... it does depend a little bit on the director. I don't know any like. I am certain there are directors out there who are perfect at reining themselves in when they need to and therefore making a great movie. Could I name one offhand? Probably not. Well, I think Scorsese does too. It's just like, I think sometimes any directors can be prone to, uh, you know, making the wrong decisions. Um, Yeah, for sure. Especially in this, like, I I don't, I don't want to like assume anything about the making of this movie, but it's possible Scorsese like thought he was like at the top of his game, and he's like, "This movie is gonna be a, like uh, a huge epic. I can't do anything wrong." Now, uh, 
uh, somewhat contrary to what you're saying, uh, Scorsese, this, this movie had a, actually a very troubled production. And a lot of that was fights between Scorsese and the producers. So I believe this movie actually had quite oh. a bit more intervention than you maybe th- thought. Oh, okay, cool. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> there you go. I, I, I may, maybe more, I don't know. Cause I, from, I only remember they said, uh, when I read it on Wikipedia, it was like they wanted to cut the runtime so that they could make more money. That, uh, that is one thing that uh, the producers definitely wanted yeah. to do. And I guess that could have helped it, but like, I don't think that necessarily would have solved the issues. Um, because the way the movie's structured, it's like it kind of needs that long runtime because uh, uh, you can't, I, I can't really think of any. Like you can cut out some subplots, but then like these characters are kind of the sub the characters in in those subplots are kind of important in later stages of the movie. You know, I feel like as this movie is, it would be hard to directly just cut out things. This movie could be written tighter so that it could get the same point across in less time, but it yeah. wasn't. So yeah. the way that this movie is shot and actually done, it would be very hard to just cut out parts. Yeah, not one of those like fix and editing movies. Yeah, um, exactly. Just kind of, kind of screwed at that point. But yeah, uh, but still, overall, like I, I like, I like the ambition, um, and I like the time period and all those things. And uh, yeah, I, I, I don't regret watching this movie. I probably won't watch it again though. It um, was very long. Yeah, very long, and it felt very long. <laughs> that that's the worst part. Um, but yeah, overall, I'd probably say like. Uh, I feel really bad saying this, but maybe like a, a four out of ten. Um, I'd probably I would... give it a. I don't remember what I gave. Catch me if you can. Do you remember? I think you said a six point five or a six. I'd probably give this one around that because I liked this. I liked this about the same, maybe more than Catch Me If You Can, for very different reasons. True. Yeah, they're very different movies. And I think that uh, I think that's the be- the biggest thing I'm coming out of this with is I'm I'm impressed that Leo was in these movies at the same time because they are very different and they show off very different sides of Leo as well. Um, and so yeah, I was I was very happy to watch this after Catch Me If You Can because I mean I didn't dislike either of them, but they were very different. Um, yeah, they were both kind uh, of period pieces, but two entirely different styles. I want to say absolutely, like um, this movie, but like both pretty mm, good challenges for Leo in the end. I'm gonna make a prediction here and, and say uh, that when we when we come out at yeah. the end, like I, I guess, like you can't really compare them head to head, you know? No, it's a little hard. I guess they did technically do that at the Academy Awards, but hey, whatever. Yeah, anyway, I was going to say, I'm going to make a bold prediction and say that at the very end of, uh, at the end of this period of Leo, when we talk about what our favorite movies are from this, from this time period, I'm going to say probably neither of these is going to be it, but I enjoyed both of them quite a lot. Same. And uh, I think it's kind of, a, they're both a very good, uh, you, you can see the, the stepping stone to, to greatness for Leo in the coming years. These both set him up very well uh, in, in terms of two lead roles that uh, in, invoke like some pretty invoke some pretty decent acting chops from him. So and with two uh, legendary directors. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, great, great, great start for Leo. Period two. Are you ready for the next movie, which is once again Martin Scorsese, and once again? Almost three hours. In fact, this one's the next one we're about to watch, even longer than Gangs of New York. And it is the Aviator. Exciting! I've always, I, I've always really wanted to watch this movie. I, I yeah, think uh, the the character Howard Hughes is very interesting. So, well, he's a yeah, guy, the, a real guy. Yeah, the character of Howard Hughes. He was also played. Not obviously by Leonardo DiCaprio in the movie The Rocketeer, and I believe that in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, Tony Stark's dad, Howard Stark, is at least partly based on Howard Hughes. 
maybe more on Walt Disney, but like at least partly on Howard Hughes. I'm I'm excited to watch this because I think my dad was very very into this movie when it came out, but I've never seen it. So, and and um, once again, this is going to be a very different movie. For one, uh, what I'm excited about here is this is as I was saying earlier, um, this movie was kind of a chance for Leonardo DiCaprio to step into a different role than he'd been in before. Uh, Gangs of New York was, and really show off his potential as a leading man and maybe it was but he also was acting against daniel day lewis and a full ensemble cast where in the aviator you know he's got an ensemble cast around him he's got alec baldwin he's got john c Riley, he's got kate blanchett but uh he is the full leading man and so i'm hoping that the aviator is the one where he gets to really show off being a leading man in a different way than he had been in say Romeo and Juliet or Titanic or something like that. Yeah, I, I agree. Not, not much, uh, not many other, too many other people to play off of, especially just from what I've heard. It's, he was a shut in, right? Howard Hughes for a, I a lot. So. And I think that might be what the movie's based off of. So like, or at least part of it is. So um, yeah, it'll be cool to watch. So we will see you again or we'll yeah, we'll see you again next week for The Aviator. I'm excited now. I'm I'm going to watch this. I am too. I guess we have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.